what God is doing. We believe that the church is essential. I got three amens on that one. I said, we believe that the church is essential. It's essential. It's essential. It's a, we, we, we found out what we could live without. We found out that, that we didn't need Hollywood. We didn't, we didn't need sports. We didn't need entertainment. But we do have to have the church. Amen. So we just welcome you here today. We're glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, we got a couple of things, just, just so you'll know. Uh, we got a video we'll probably show you next week. But the uh, uh, we're doing all of our best. So, you know, we're in this whole pandemic thing, slash scandemic, however you want to label it. It's, it's, I mean, I know it's real, but it's, it's, it's way overrated. But we want to be, we're taking precautions. We've, we're spending thousands of dollars to purify the air in here. We've had people here this weekend, this past week, working in there, putting... Uh, putting air purifiers, halos in our, in our air-conditioned ducts. It's all throughout the church. Uh, they're not quite through with the sanctuary yet. Uh, air Link and those guys have been working with us, but, but we're, we've already spent thousands of dollars to get this done, and that's just because we, we, we want to take care of people. So, so anytime you talk, hear me talking about stuff and things like that, it's not that we don't care about people. It's that we're spending a whole lot of money to take care of people. And so all that's going on, even right now as you sit, you're breathing fresh air. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're just, we're just working on those things and just uh, we're, con- we're doing it all throughout our campus. Some of you may have noticed we got cameras all over our campus now. We've got uh, a new uh, Wi-Fi system that we've connected to. Uh, what do you call that thing, Pastor Carlos? Fiber. We connected to fiber. And uh, I, I thought that was something you ate to help you. I, I, they, they tell me it's no, it's, it's it helps you with the internet. I go, oh, praise the Lord, and uh, and so we got cameras. We got cameras in every room, every part of the sanctuary, every part of the classrooms over there, uh, viewing outside. So so we're doing everything we can to protect people. Somebody come up in here, they might get jacked up. You know, don't don't come in here with no wrong motives. <laughs> we tried to give you a sign out there. We will shoot. We guess right there when you come in, it's coming in. Everybody gets to read it. So. We just we got we're just trying to do everything we can to protect our campus, because we're living in a different day. We're living in a strange world. We're living in a world that has lost its ever living mind, and so so we're doing all that we can do just to help you feel safe. Every service that we have on this campus, there are ushers outside. They're watching the parking lot. They're watching people come in. Uh, they're not just out there shaking hands. They are monitoring. There is security on patrol. Amen. And we got a few of them disguised in here, so if anything happens to me, y'all just, just watch them, watch them, just watch them. Y'all better move. Y'all better move fast, move fast. So anyway, it's good to have you everybody here today. We're some, Robert, it's good to see you. I saw Robert Smith over there, longtime Clouston boy right there. Good to have him in the service today. Uh, grew up in this house, spent many years in this church. Incredible gift, incredible voice. Tell me about a guy that can sing. That guy right there was like, oh, my Lord. So it's good to see you, Robert. Love you, man. God bless you today. Come on, stand to your feet today. Let's grab our Bibles. I don't know if you've been here over the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, but we've been working on a series, and uh, we're still kind of right in the middle of it. And I would encourage you, because most of you know me, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of going back and retracing. I just, because we got so much stuff online, you can go and watch any of our services online. You can download our, our app. 
and you can get any service that we've ever preached over the last couple of years. It's right there on the app. I believe it's the last couple of years. Is that right, Pastor Paul? Last 60, last 60 days. Last 60 days. That's a long ways away from the last couple of years. But the uh, YouTube has the last couple of years. And then, uh, of course, Facebook Live. You can go back on Facebook and find some of our services. And I would encourage you, if you're not here, you need to catch up on those services. It's not a one-time thing. We're moving this body. We're moving this church in a direction. I'm losing my amens real quick. When I was talking about fresh air, y'all, amen, amen. Now, when I'm talking about, talking about ha having a move of God, you got to move the people in the same direction at the same time. And so I would, this is our fourth message. And if you haven't heard the last three or the last two or the last one, there's a gap in there. And you really need to make that up because there's a lot that's being said that I cannot go back and keep recovering for the sake of time. Amen? So let's go to our theme verse, Judges. Judges. Take a little bit of time to read a few scriptures here today again. It's always good to come to church prepared to read the Bible. <laughs> Either on your smartphone your device, whatever you have. Uh, Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them over into the hand of Midian for seven years. Somebody shout seven years. Seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and caves and the strongholds. For it, was in Israel, for it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east, and they would go against them, and they would camp against them to destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and they would leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like the locusts for number, meaning there was a lot of them, both they and their camels were innumerable. In other words, there were so many of them, it was just hard to count how many there was. And they came, this is the verse that I've been picking on, and they came into the land to devastate it. They came with a purpose. The enemy came with an intentionality. The enemy came against Israel with an assignment. The same is true for us today. The enemy comes against us with a purpose, an assignment. How many know that the devil is not your buddy? How many know that the devil is not going to get saved? So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. Verse number six again, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Look with me in verse number 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Oprah which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. And his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. That sounds like a noble thing to do, but really Gideon was scared. He was scared. And the angel appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. One translation says, The Lord is with you, O man of war, or O, o mighty man of valor. Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? You ever question the Lord about 2020? 
Lord, if you're with us, why is all this going on? And where are your miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, go in this, your strength. Deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Cluston, and I am the youngest in my family's house. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. I want to draw your attention back to one verse here, verse number 7, or verse number 6. So Israel cried out to the Lord. And so Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. That word sons, I'm interchanging it with a generation. A generation began to cry out to God. A generation began to lift their voice towards the heavens and believe God for something to change. Now, I want to add one more scripture while you're standing there. Look with me in Psalms, and then we're going to get with it today. Psalms 119. This really came up in my heart today, this early this morning. Psalms 119, verse number 26 says, It is time for the Lord to act. Come on, look at somebody tell them it's time. It's time. Come on, look at two or three people around you and tell them it's time. So this is the message we've been talking about. This is my verse. This is my title. Every generation has a time. Every generation has a time. I need you to high-five about three people around you and tell them you might as well get ready. It's our time. It's our time. You just need to tell them it's our time. Every generation has a time. Every generation has a time. Do you believe that this morning? There has to be a generation that begins to lift their voice and begin to cry out and begin to say back to the enemy, we're not going to stay in this cave forever. We're not going to stay defeated forever. Sooner or later, a generation has to rise and say, it's my time. It's my time. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. Father, this morning, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher. You're the teacher. You're the communicator. You're the revelator. Thank you today for what you're going to do in people's lives. Lord, I just thank you today, Lord, as we stir up a, an expectation of faith for the move of God to take place in our own hearts this morning. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we would give your word an undivided attention so that we can strategically advance the kingdom of God at least into another level in our day. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to flow freely and unhindered into every heart. Lord, I give you praise and glory in advance for what you're going to do. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. In our text, as you know, we find where the children of Israel uh, they have, we, we find that their life has been reduced to a level of living that was literally never designed by God. The Bible says that in our text, the Bible says that they were brought very low. They had been oppressed and suppressed, uh, and their land 
have been devastated by a relentless enemy that would come in year after year to raid and rob a generation of its inheritance. Year after year, this enemy would come in without any mercy, without any kind of, uh, of, of kindness against Israel, against this generation. This enemy would come in with one purpose, and that was to devastate their life and to devastate the land in which God had promised them. They were reduced because of the devastation, because of the relentless of the enemy that came in year after year. This whole generation of Israelites were reduced to living in caves and holes that were dug literally out of a mountain. They were living in the strongholds of those caves in fear of their life, in fear of the enemy that was coming in to rob and raid them and literally, the Bible says, and leave no sustenance in all of Israel. This nation had been used to a perpetual progress of the enemy's onslaught for seven years, and they left the land devastated. So there was no ox, no cattle, no donkey, no sheep, no crop left in the land because the enemy was coming in with a vengeance. The enemy was coming in hot and heavy. The enemy was coming in with a fierceness about him to destroy the people of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that ain't not much, that's not much different than our day to day. There's an enemy that's been released in our land. I'm going to find somebody to preach to. I'm going to get to where I'm going, so just look at your neighbor and say, you might as well get with it early. <laughs> This enemy came in with a vengeance, just like the enemy that's against our life. He comes in with a vengeance, and it seems like there's no let up. There's no easing off. The enemy is coming in for one assignment only, and that is to destroy your life. And that is to destroy anything that looks like God in your life. And the enemy comes in with a fierceness. And, and for the children of Israel on this particular passage in this particular era of history in which they're living in, the, the moral depravity had become its all-time lowest. There was a, such a decline in the morality of the nation that it had hit its all-time lowest and pagan worship and false idolatry was at its all-time highest. Uh, and, 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 and it wasn't because... Uh, Israel was being oppressed by the enemy that made the enemy stronger. The, the reason why Israel was oppressed by their enemies was because Israel had grown spiritually weaker. The enemy always gets the upper hand in your life when you, go when you grow spiritually weaker than the enemy that's already been defeated. The enemy against your life is not some enemy that has never been defeated. The enemy that against, that's against your life is not some enemy that has ever thrown anything that God's ever had. But, but when you give allegiance, when you begin to empower that enemy, you become spiritually weaker and you give your enemy the upper hand. Midian comes to us as a worldly spirit. Because Israel had fallen into idolatry, they had been seduced into sacrificing to
to false gods. Their worship had become contaminated and full of mixture. And the Bible says that Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And because they were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord, it means that they were agreeing with their enemies. Whatever you agree with, you empower. And anytime you start agreeing with your enemy's strategies, anytime you start agreeing with the, the, the strategic onslaught of the enemy's advancement against your life, you begin to empower him. It's not that he's stronger than you. It's just that you are growing spiritually weaker and you're giving him the upper hand. Jesus put it this way. He said, the, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. So we understand today that, that because they were growing spiritually weaker, the Bible says in Judges chapter 6 and verses number 9 and 10 that, that, that they fell out of agreement with God because they refused to obey God. You cannot exercise kingdom authority over any spirit that you remain in agreement with. Any spirit that you remain in agreement with you have no authority over that spirit. Anything that you give license to, you become prey for. Anything that continues, that any door that you open up that's not of God, anything that you give license to that doesn't look like God, you give the enemy a feast. You give the enemy a welcome sign. You give the enemy saying, just come on up in here, take everything I got. They had lost their way. I'm going to preach on this in a minute. Just hang out with me. They had lost their way because they were agreeing with the present powers that be. The enemy has to have an agreement to work. The enemy has no authority and he has no power over God's property. But the moment you agree with anything that's not of God, you have given him empowerment to work every evil work that he can throw against you. When you fall out of agreement with God, you fall into agreement with the devil. That there is no in-between. There is no in-between. It's not like, well, I want, like, like there's a safe place. There is no safe place. There's either light or dark. There's either evil or good. There's no, there's, not a, there's, there's no gray. There's no room in the middle. And we have a generation. I'm about to preach this thing. My Lord, I feel it. We have a generation. I'm tearing my papers all up. I'm moving things around. The air condition's blowing on me. But we have a generation that is being groomed and trained in the church to be passive against the devil that's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. And we sit back and we act like, well, it's going to get better one day. It'll never get better until you fall out of agreement with the powers of Satan. It'll never get any better. Your life won't get better. Your marriage won't get better. Your children won't get better. Anything that you put your hands to will never get any better as long as you agree with the enemy. It's a picture. It's, this is a picture. It, it, what's going on in the life of Gideon is a picture of the 21st century church. We have lost our way. No amens on that one. 
I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church in general, the big C church. We have lost our way. Here we have the freest nation in the world. We have more access to anything biblically teaching, singing, worshiping, preaching. And we can't even turn one city upside down for the glory of God. I'm just trying to tell you, somebody's agreeing with the wrong spirit. Somebody's empowering with something that we ought to be having dominion over. Let me show you a couple of scriptures here because I got only a few minutes. Look with me in 2 Corinthians. Can I, can I work this out? I'm going to work it out. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to work it out the best I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Just so you don't, uh, you don't think I'm making it up. This is, this is in your Bible. Verse number 14, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. One translation says don't be unequally yoked. Watch this now. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? That's, that's, that's a demon. That's a spirit. That's a devil. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Verse number 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. He said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse number 17. Therefore, come out from among their midst and separate. Look at somebody next to you and say, you got to separate. you got to separate. you got to give me some spiritually social distancing right here. He says, if you will do that, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and, I shall be your, and I sh you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, when he says separate, he's not saying separate from the involvement of people's lives. He's talking about separate from their works and their practices. In other words, you can't do what unbelievers do. You can't act like an unbeliever and get the blessings of the Lord in your life. You can't just keep carrying on and stay in agreement with the devil. You can't agree with sickness and expect God to heal you. You can't, you, can't, you can't agree that God is able to deliver you, but we keep finding you back at the same old address that God already, he delivered you out of Egypt. He delivered you out of bondage. Why are you trying to go back to something that God has already set you free from? What, what part does the spirit of God have with the spirit of the devil? There's none. There's none. you got to separate. And, and, and the problem, I'm going to preach this thing in a minute. The problem that's going on in the life of the church in America is that we have compromise. We have so much mixture in the body of Christ that you can't tell the church from the world. When the world looks at the church, there ought to be a separation. There ought to be a distinction. There ought to be something different about your life. When the world looks at you, they ought to say, I don't know what they got going on, but boy, they sure don't act like everybody else. They've been through a lot, but they sure don't fall apart like everybody else. The enemy did everything he could, but it sure didn't mess them up. They still got a faith. They still got a trust. They still have a destiny. They still began to push into the things of God. Sooner or later, you got to let the world know this is the way you live, but this is the way I'm going to live, and I'm not going to bring your agreement into my kingdom. Let me show you. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
Oh, my Lord, I'm going to throw a shoe at you in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and at the table of demons. Come on, if you want Midian to keep messing up your life, just keep giving in to it. Just keep opening up that door. Just stay in agreement. Just keep beating weed out in a wine press when you ought to be doing it in the open. Just keep hiding. Just keep living in your cave. Just keep having a victimized mentality. Keep living with a defeated spirit. But when you get tired of it, you're going to open up your voice. You're going to lift up your mouth. You're going to put some power back into the environment around your life. And you're going to say to me, not today, baby. Not today. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. America, America, listen, I'm, I'm trying to help our nation out because I got grandchildren growing up in this nation. If it was all about me, I wouldn't say nothing. I'd just go retire and live off in an island somewhere by myself with my wife, and we'd be all right. But it ain't just about me. I've got grandchildren that are growing up and children's children that are becoming up. I don't want them to come up into a land that's been devastated by an enemy on my watch. As long as I've got a voice, as long as I've got a praise, as long as I've got a worship, as long as I've got a Bible, as long as I've got the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you better believe we're going to lift our voice. You better believe we're going to fight for it. We're going to fight for what God has given us. He said, he said, he, 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 well, let me just move on. I ain't got time to go down. America has now become a culture of a moral negative. Now watch this. This will be on the screen for you. A moral negative. A moral negative exists when right and wrong have been reversed. When a moral negative, a moral negative begins to dominate the thinking patterns of a society, you have a culture of a moral negative. Our nation is being driven by cultural trends that are not of God. Our nation is being driven by mob rule that is not of God. Just because everybody else is doing it, don't make it right. Just because everybody else is saying it, don't make it right. And sooner or later, there's got to, listen, there are 100 million believers in America. 100 million. That's one-third of our nation's population. If we could just get an agreement, not over your political differences, just get an agreement over God's word we would shift a culture we would put so much pressure on a negative culture until we begin to take what was a moral negative and turn it around for God's good With Isaiah prophesied at Isaiah 520 this will be on the screen it says woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness who substitutes bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We're living in a nation that's calling everything that's evil good. I shared with you, I don't know if it was last week or whenever, the number one chart song in America is with cardio, car, cardio, cardio, have a heart attack, cardio B, cardio, what is it? Cardi, I can't, whatever. 
caught. <laughs> and there was another one. I don't even know the other one. It's another rapper. But the number one song was WAP, WAP, W-A-P. Can't even tell you what it means. Just look at the young people around you. They'll tell you. They know what it is. They know exactly what it is. It's the number one hit song in America. Yeah. Yeah. That's how far our culture has become. That's what our culture has digressed to. You can't listen to three words without a cuss word in that song. And it's so derogatory. I mean, here we are in the coming out of this a Me Too movement with the liberation of women, and you're going to put a song out like that. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. I'm just trying to say to this house, they ain't gonna, we ain't going to have a house full of mixture. And we'll take everybody on any level, and we'll love you all the way through whatever your level you need to get to. But we're not going to compromise our belief system over a mob rule, cultural trends. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. We've had plenty of presentation in the body of Christ. That's the reason why half the churches in America are closed right now. Because they're good at presentation, but they don't have no manifestation. That's why they're closed. That's why they're closed. They're closed. They're closed. And you can say, well, we're just trying to protect people because of the pain. No, we're, because you have no authority. You have no power. You have no faith to speak back to the principalities and the powers that are trying to rob a nation of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, the, the one thing that the enemy wants to do is shut the church down because the church is the only legalized entity, entity on this planet that can overthrow the powers of darkness. Only the church can do that. Mario Murillo, he said it best in one of his books that he wrote. He said, he said, we have big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines, but we don't have no move of the spirit. We, we, got every, we got lights, camera, action, but we don't have no action of the Holy Ghost. Because it's just been performance-based. How can you entertain me this Sunday? How can you just make me feel good about my mess this Sunday? Sooner or later, there's got to be some old-fashioned Holy Ghost preaching that begins to preach the Bible with some conviction that says you can't just keep living like that if you want to be blessed and favored of God. Woo! Push on somebody and tell them every generation has a time. The, the, the pulpits in America... The pulpits in America was one time known as being reformers and agents of change. Now we're being known as performers that has agents. <laughs> Salvation Army, William Booth, in 1865, he founded the Salvation Army. He said this, this will be on the screen for you. He said, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and a heaven without hell. Wow. 
He said that in the 18th century. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living out what he prophesied. We are living it out today. We are living that out today. And I just believe that God wants to send another awakening. I believe God wants to send another move of God. I believe God wants our cities to be changed. God wants our families to be cha changed. I believe God wants us to have a citywide revival. Y'all thought I forgot about it because of the pandemic. No, I ain't never lost it. I'm still on it. I believe God can turn this city upside down. I believe bars can close. I believe jobs can be efficient. But at the same time, he's got to have a revived people that know how to stand in the gap between the condition of our cities and the will of heaven. All of creation. I'm going to preach in a minute. I'm just warming up. I'm just getting to where I'm going. All of creation carries with it a special relationship with its creator. When God creates something, he creates it to be in covenant with him. When God creates something, he creates it to be in, that word covenant literally means agreement. When God created the earth, he wanted the earth to be in agreement with heaven. That's why Jesus said when you pray, you pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Let it be done on earth like it is in heaven. I want the earth to be in alignment with heaven. When he created mankind, he didn't create mankind to be its own entity. He created mankind to be in agreement with him. So that when we walked on this earth, we could speak like God. We could declare things like God. We could move and shift things like God. So when God creates something, he creates it to be in agreement. We understand according to scripture that God is the owner of everything. And we are the stewards. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Don't you think ever for a moment that God's turned this earth over to the enemy. God didn't create anything to give it to the devil. He didn't create this earth to turn it over, turn it over to the enemy. He created this earth and he dropped mankind and in the middle of it and said, now you go have some dominion. You go have some authority and make the earth look like heaven. Oh, Lord. So therefore, if that's, if that's the way... God has created us, if God has built us to be in agreement, to be in a covenant, all of creation then has a response to what God says or what he does. So now the church is the legalized entity of heaven in the earth that carries the voice of God. So when the church speaks, it should speak on behalf of the one that we're in agreement with. Because if we can agree, get in agreement with him, then whatever heaven is declaring, the earth will manifest. So there has to be a people. I'm trying to get to where I'm going. There has to be a church. There has to be a generation that sooner or later will begin to rise up and quit playing Whatever with the devil. Quit trying to be friends with the world and be friends with God at the same time. Quit trying to entertain sin. So now the church has to become the voice. Somebody shout the voice. Every generation has to have a voice. Every generation is entitled to its own revival. Every generation is entitled to its own movement. 
but there has to be a voice. I'm just trying to say the world has its voice. Where's the voice of the church? If the world is coming out of the closet, why don't the church come out of the closet? And you don't have to look right. You know, there used to be a day when you had to hunt for sin. Now sin is hunting you. Huh? There used to be a day, and, 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 and some of y'all that have been delivered, you'll know what I'm talking about. There used to be a day where you had to go into magazine shops to see porn. Oh, anybody saying no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. There used to be a day when you had to go to a video store to check out porn. Remember, they put it in that little back corner, close the curtains or a door. Somebody told me about it. I don't know. <laughs> now your eight-year-old walks around with a phone that has as much porn you saw as an adult that they got on their phone. And it's worse because there's nothing hidden. There's nothing sacred. There's no shyness about it. When you can take and make the number one song dealing about a woman's private parts and, 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 and prostitution and, and men and how you just derogatory things like that, and you can make it. I'm just telling you, you think, it, you think well, that's just, that's just entertainment. No, they're coming after your kids. They're coming after a generation, and they're going to indoctrinate them. And sooner or later, the church better lift up its voice. Sooner or later, the church better rise up and say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. It ain't the way it's going to be if the church will rise. If our cities are going to be won, if our cities are going to be turned around, then it has to come through the power of the church. <laughs> God told Joshua, he says, every place that the soles of your foot tread, that's what I'll give you. In other words, if you can get your feet there, you can own it. Whatever you can put your feet on, that's what I'll give you. Ah, come on, talk to me up here. Spiritually speaking, wherever you can get your spirit man, wherever you can get your man, wherever you can get your spirit man in a dimension or a direction that's in line with the will of God, that's what you will conquer. That's what you will overthrow. That's the authority that you will have through Jesus Christ. If the devil is occupying something, then somebody who doesn't understand their authority is standing there. Hmm. When we possess the land, we bring the land under the authority in the kingdom of God. Well, that, it, well, you know, the world's just going to be the world. I get it. I get it. The world's going to be the world. But how long are you going to let Midian beat you up? Sooner or later, you've got to draw a bloodline around your family. Sooner or later, the church in general has to blow a blood, draw a bloodline around our nation. If every believer that calls upon the name of the Lord would just begin to take stewardship over the place where their feet are, we begin to flip things upside down. We begin to win our cities. Watch whole families come back to Christ. Did you know that Islam has a thousand-year plan to rule the world? The Christians have a thousand-year plan. That's to get up out of this world. <laughs> Islam has a plan to take over the world. We're trying to get up out of here. We're trying to evacuate. Huh? All they understand, most believers, is one day... Just going to go to heaven. They don't understand that heaven is a holding place for people who die in a generation prior to possessing the land. <laughs> I, need to, I need to teach you on that a little bit more. I ain't getting enough amens on that one. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, there is a generation that will live that will put all enemies under their feet. And then heaven is coming back to the earth, a new heaven and a new earth. There is a generation that will rise that will put every enemy under their feet. I don't know who that generation is, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let it slide by me without giving a shot at it. Could it be that God's just going to raise up a generation in the midst of a crazy gone world and say, why don't the church rise now? Why don't the power of the resurrected Christ begin to push back on the spirits of darkness and take authority over it in Jesus' name? One of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to get the church off from possessing. Getting us so, getting us so heavenly minded that it that he just begins to take over the land. Because all we do is think about heaven. And just for those that are watching online or whatever that don't know me well, I believe in heaven. And I believe he's coming back. I got all that. But he also told me to occupy until he gets here. I'm not just going to sit here and let the devil run wild and not have somebody to oppose him. We should be taking over our schools. We should be taking over governments. We should be taking over economies. We should be taking over arts and entertainment. There ain't nobody got a heart like a believer. There ain't nobody that can give like a believer. But God has to have a people that will rise up and say, you know what, I'm tired of Midian. I'm tired of this year after year beating me up and beating me down. The Bible says that when they came into the land, they'd had to drive them out. What was an Old Testament reality is a, is a New Testament spiritual reality. We have to drive out present darkness. We have to drive out principalities and powers. We have to drive out long-standing strongholds, break it, overthrow it in Jesus' name. That means we got to drive out prejudice. We got to drive out racism. We have to drive out hatred. We have to drive out wickedness. Here's a good one. We have to drive out corrupt governments. We have to drive it out. You have to drive it out. You don't sit back there and say, well, I just hope somebody gets in there that I like. No, you drive it out by raising up godly men and women who can stand in an office and put their foot down against every evil spirit and say, that ain't how we're going to do it. And we drive out violence. We drive out drugs and gangs. I know, I know this is way beyond because you've been listening to the wrong news agency. I'm listening to the news from heaven. You've been attached to CNN and Fox News. I've been attached to heaven's radar. And God said, I'll give you power. I'll give you authority to cast out demons. I'll give you power to overthrow cities. I'll give you power to walk through the midst of chaos and destruction and speak life, speak hope, speak promises, speak destiny over people's lives. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been drinking the wrong Kool-Aid. We were silent for way too long. We were silent in 1962 when we let the Supreme Court take prayer out of our school. The world's going to do what they're going to do. But the church was silent. We were silent in 1963. When they took Bible reading out of our schools. We were silent in 1973 when we made abortion legal. 
Now we have the blood of 60 million babies in our land. And I'm telling you, that blood is crying out. That blood's crying out for deliverance. That blood is crying out for a generation that will say someday, one day, will there not be a people that will stand against the onslaught of innocent lives? <laughs> we were silent in 2015 when we let our U.S. Supreme Court overthrow the rule of the people and make marrying a gay person legalized. When men can marry men and women can marry women. We were silent. Where was the outcry? Why didn't we storm our nation's capital and say, you got to change that law? Because we just go with the flow. Come on, Midian, hit us again. Come on, Midian, keep coming. We're just going to keep taking it. Sooner or later, you got to cry out. You cannot drive out an aggressive devil with a passive church. hard for me to believe. I'm about to preach. I'm about to, I got 15 minutes left and I'll wear it out. It's hard for me to believe at how quiet and compliant our churches have become while our enemy is taken over. Our churches have become so compliant. It's hard for me to believe that even in our setting, here in our city, when the enemy is running roughshod over people, people can come to church and still sit there and act like they don't care. I've watched people walk, go all through a worship service with their hands folded or their hands on the front of that chair like you're about to fall. Why are you so quiet and you letting the enemy run roughshod over everything that God's trying to give you? Huh? We're just, we're just so quiet and we're just so compliant. Well, we're going to shut down the churches. Okay, whatever. Shut it down. We just comply. We just go with the mob rule. I know I'm stretching some feathers right now, but I'm meaning to on purpose. We are under attack and our children are growing up in a hostile culture that's against their faith. And our churches are so compliant. They'll even, to experts will tell you, if you're about to be mugged by a robber in a parking lot, the best thing you can do is holler. I mean, you ought to just yell. You ought to shout something. Some of y'all come in here and you don't even open up your mouth. The best thing you could do, you ought to just leave. Listen, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I just, sometimes you just got, I know y'all think, well, that's just religious calisthenics. No, that's called opening up your mouth and giving your voice of authority to a principality and a power that's ruining your life. Some of y'all get more aggravated. Somebody tried to steal your flat screen TV. Tie a bandana around your head and put a knife in your mouth and come out like Rambo. <laughs> Over a flat screen TV and your children are being marketed, exploited. A generation is being turned over to the enemy, and we come to our churches, and we sit there, and we act like everything's going to be all right, because after a while, after all, I got to go to work tomorrow and make some more money. Are you kidding me? There's more to making money on this planet. There's got to come a spiritual rise in the hearts of God's people. <laughs> Psalms 11.3, this will be on the screen for you. It says, if the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Huh? Uh, Proverbs 22.28 says, Do not remove the ancient boundaries which your fathers have set. you got to hold on to something. Look what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, The ultimate test of a moral society 
It's the kind of world that it leaves to its children. It's the ultimate test of a moral society. What are we handing off to our kids? Mom and dads, how are you training your kids? Do you send them to church to be trained? You're out of order. Train them in your house. You don't send your kids. Listen, I, listen, I, I, I told some people at school one time because I was barking about this years ago. And I said, listen, you ain't got to teach my kids how to pray. I'll teach my kids how to pray. You teach them reading, writing, arithmetic, and accurate history, and I'll be all right. You teach them some right, you teach them right history. Don't, don't, not, not none of this cancel culture. I don't need you to teach my kids how to pray. I don't need the church to teach my kids how to pray. I'll teach my kids how to pray. I'll teach my kids how to be godly. I'll send them into your institution, not so that they can learn under you, but so that they can be mentored and trained by an adversary that's coming against them so they'll know how to have power over them. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't pick this fight, ladies and gentlemen. If y'all think I'm being political, you have lost everything. You have missed the total mark. But we, didn't, we, have not, we did not pick this fight, but they have brought the fight to us. They have brought the fight to the church. And if you think the church is going to lay down and just keep taking it, you have lost your mind. Politics came into our yard, ordering us to be quiet. Politics came into our yard, telling us to violate our conscience and not to obey God. See, when you, this will be on the screen. When you obey an evil law, you are at odds with a divine law. Now we have people getting upset. I'm going to close right here in a minute. We have people now getting upset with preachers and churches because we're getting engaged in the fight. But to, but to stay out of the fight is to side with evil. And people are getting mad. I'm not talking about the world. Well, the world gets mad too, but, but what's, really get, what's, what's blowing my mind is the church is getting mad over preachers and churches that are confronting the evil. They're getting mad over churches that are confronting the evil with truth. Paul told Timothy that. He said, listen, listen, people are going to just want their ears itched. They just come in because they got itchy ears. They just want, it, they just want a little scratch. They don't want truth. They want to be pampered. They want to be petted. Politics have turned. Politics have turned into a weapon for suppression. Political policies of our day, you have to know this, are at war with Christianity. This is what Charles Finney said. He was an 1800 century preacher. He was responsible for the second great awakening in America. He was known as the father of the revivalist movement that trained men like D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, and Billy Graham that all caught a glimpse of his ministry and teaching. Charles Finney said, no man can possibly be benevolent, benevolent or religious to the full extent of his obligation without concerning himself to a greater or less extent with the affairs of human government. People are getting mad at me because I'm saying something about politics. I wouldn't end politics. Y'all got in my lane. And you're going, you're going to expect me to sit here and just take it on the chin while I'm watching my nation get flipped upside down. The devil is a lie. Pulpits cannot remain silent on social issues. 
Let me, give you, let me just give you a little bit of history here. In Scripture, we see, this is found in Scripture, in every biblical leader in Scripture, either prophesied or spoke about politics, civic issues that were related to public policy. From Moses all the way through the major and the minor prophets in the Old Testament to even Jesus in his day, John the Baptist, Peter, and Paul, they all dealt with moral and political issues in their contemporary culture. That's in your Bible. I don't believe the church ought to get involved in politics. We weren't. We were involved in preaching the gospel, but you were the ones who began to try to change the moral conscience. Let me tell you when it started. In 1954, the Lyndon B. Johnson Amendment was installed, and it was used to silence the churches from engaging politics from the pulpit. So now when people go well, to churches, ain't supposed to be involved. You know what? That, that's a man-made law. That's a, that, that law didn't come from heaven. That law came from man. Just like the laws of our Supreme Court that says it's all right to kill babies. That law came from man. That law didn't come from heaven. Up until then, up until 1954, it was the Congress of the United States of America that would invite pastors to come in and preach to Congress regarding the particular topics and concerns before they debated over it or even voted on it. Now we don't want to get involved. I keep my politics separate from my church life. Then you don't have a church life. Because what goes in politics will come into the church. They're already proven it. They've already shut California down. During the Second Great Awakening, this same evangelist that I told you about, Charles Finney, he was the driving force for the abolitionist movement. His movement against anti-slavery movement affected the whole nation, culminating in President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Where did it come from? It came from a preacher. It came from the church. Oh, Lord. Dietrich Baumhofer stood against the Nazi regime of Hitler's armies, lost his life over it. Dr. Martin Luther King used his pulpit to advance the civil rights of America. Now, y'all going to come up in there and tell us we got to be quiet? I'm glad that those pulpits weren't quiet. I'm glad somebody stood up. I'm glad they raised a voice in the midst of the church so the church would stand up and put a fight back on and say, no, we're not going to stand for it. And we're not going to let sin just ruin and roll our nation around. Can you imagine what would happen if these people didn't speak up? Our nation is in serious trouble, and the remedy for it is the church. Dwight D. Eisenhower, General of World War II, when they began to overthrow the concentration camp in Germany, he walked in there and he called all the soldiers that whoever was traveling with him or whoever was in the land in that particular area, he'd called all the soldiers, and he made them look at everything in those concentration camps, from dead bodies to burnt bodies to body parts and miles and miles of graveyards of bones. And they asked him, why are you making these men look at all this horror? He said, up until now, all these men have known what they were fighting for, but they have never really understood what they're fighting against. 
We ain't fighting just to go to heaven. We're fighting against a corrupt system that's trying to overthrow the entire world. We're fighting against something. Principalities and powers. Gavin Newsom of California just signed a bill a couple days ago, the SB 145. It's a bill that allows 24-year-olds to have sex with underage minors and not be convicted of it or be held accountable as a sex offender. Signed it, pedophilia. Y'all think that's in California. They're crazy out there anyway. It's coming. They're trying to normalize pedophilia. You know why? Because people that are holding office are in it. So the more they can normalize it, they won't have to be held accountable to it. I was born this way. Are you kidding me? No, you got sin in your life that needs to be eradicated through the cross of Jesus Christ and the love of God over your life. And it ain't just stopping there. It's going on down. They're working. They're trying to make it legalized even down to four-year-olds. telling you. And we want to sit in here and we just want to sing our kumbayas, go back to our daily business and functions and not even think about God until the next Sunday. While well, our, our nation is being jacked up by an enemy, a principality, and a power that's coming with every ounce of vengeance that it has, and we are supposed to be salt and light in the midst of darkness. We're supposed to be a city set on a hill. We're supposed to be something different that the world can look to, but yet we begin to beat their same drum beat that there because we don't want to offend nobody because we're part of woke culture. We're part of all this woke general. And I'm just trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that ain't the motto of the church. This will be on the screen for you. We're not trying to legislate morality. We're just trying to stop legislating immorality. Oh, Lord. What is the role of government? Let me tell you what it is. I'm glad you asked. Thank you. The radical, progressive view of civil government is all encompassing in which elected officials use public policy and law to control every aspect of human life, including the church. They believe, I'm talking about wrong governments, they believe that a perfect society can only be achieved through political elites making decisions for the masses regarding religion, wealth, the wealth distribution, housing, education, the media, socialism, Marxism. That's what we're up against. You're not up against a Democrat. You're up against a Marxist spirit. You're not up against a Republican. You're up against a Marxist spirit. We make it, we make it a Democrat, Republican. We're making it all about politics. And ladies and gentlemen, it's about evil. It's about evil is what it's about. The biblical view of government, this is the biblical view of government. It focuses on civil leaders that has power primarily in matters of civil defense, keeping the peace, Ensuring justice at our gates. That's a biblical worldview. And that's all. I, I can give you. Come to me after church and I'll give you all those scriptures. I just ain't got time to read them today. God never intended for political leaders to interfere with religious matters. When King Uzziah tried to do it in Judah, when King Uzziah left his post as a king and he tried to offer burn incense on the offering, God turned him into leprosy.
Because he left his lane. Because God never intended for political leaders to oversee the church. The overseer of the church is Jesus Christ. He's the head. He's the head. He's the head, not political leaders. And since the scriptures forbid civic governmental interference with the church, radicals now, this is going on in parts of our, of our nation. Now the radicals are burning Bibles. You know what they're saying? We don't want God in it. It's going on right now. And the church is just sitting back not saying nothing. I'm not saying that we're not saying nothing. I'm just saying the church has to be aware of what we're fighting against. I know what I'm fighting for, but I want to know what I'm fighting against. That's an evil enemy, and he's coming to devastate my land. He's coming to destroy my earth. He's coming to destroy my family. He's coming to take over the authority of my family. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know, but Lord of mercy, I don't know how we sit here and be so quiet when we know we got a real devil that's coming. I believe every now and then you just got to get a push back in you and say, listen, you're coming against me, but I'm about to come against you in the name of the Lord. Come on, Pastor Porter, we got to close. I know we got to go. There's an old proverb that says, this will be on the screen, says the best time to start was a decade ago. The second best time is now. The Bible says in our text, the sons of Israel begin to cry out to the Lord. Nothing happens until we begin to cry out. Every generation has to have a fresh cry, a fresh hunger for the things of God. Every generation. If not, then we keep pandering to the enemy's tactics. I was with my oldest grandson the other day. We were talking. I said, what's the word that the Lord's put in your heart? And just challenged him because he's called to preach. He said, well, Papa, I, I, I'll preach on anything. <laughs> and then I got tickled. I said, we were, it was just he and I. We were riding together. I said, life would be really easy. If I could just go and do what I wanted to do right now. But my assignment won't let me turn loose of you. And he, he just represents all my grandkids. My assignment won't let that generation go to hell. We saw him yesterday for a few minutes. I said, you going to help me preach tomorrow? He goes, yeah, Papa. I go, what you going to preach on? He goes, oh, you know me. You just tell me and I'll get it. Sound like Vanessa. <laughs> I said, well, that, that's all, you know, it don't mean much. You don't understand the spiritual magnitude. Because I'm putting something in him that's going to deny the powers of hell over his generation. I'm putting something in it, and I know his parents are too. It ain't just me, but I'm just saying, we're living in a world against, I don't know if you noticed, but these are like real live 21st century devils. The devils I'm fighting now, they were not that exposed when I was growing up. 
I'm not saying they weren't never there, but they did not have the exposure that they have now. The exposure of demonic warfare is so intense right now. I mean, when our nation is trying to legalize pedophilia and call it legal, it's just, it all started when they legalized homosexuality to be married, when they called that a covenant. God called that a sin. And it has nothing to do with our love for the people that are struggling. It has nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do. I, 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 I met a guy the other day at the gym. We were talking. He said, he's, he, said, he said, are you the pastor of New Harvest Church? I said, yeah. He goes, man, he just went off. Ugly, vulgar. I thought, whoo, boy, I stirred that up. I should have said, no, I work for U.S. Sugar. <laughs> Lord, I, just, I didn't mean to go. To, I just like, he asked me a question. Yeah, I'm the pastor. And my, I mean, it just it, like a volcano went off. He said, I don't understand this religious stuff. I don't understand this God thing. I said, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. I said, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a journey just like you, brother. He goes, well, you don't understand. He says, I'm homosexual. I go, man, that makes me love you even all the more. Amen. And I saw him break. His countenance changed because he wanted me to spew something hatred back at him. He wanted me to tell him he was going to hell. I know what he wanted. But I said, man, that just makes me love you all the more because, man, you're in a fight. You're in a fight over your identity. And I want to tell you, God loves you even more than I can love you right now. And I said, I'm going to fight with you, and I'm going to stand with you. I don't care what everybody labels you. I don't care what society tries to, and I don't even care what religious people are trying to tell you. I know a God that loves you beyond your faults. Yes. I know him. I know him. I know him. I, I made that point. I said, I know him. I said, I said, I can't explain God. I said, when you find out, you let me know. Because every preacher I know can't explain God. He was and he was not. He is and he is not. He's everywhere. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. I don't know where he began. I don't know where he is. All I know is he reached down and he touched my heart. He touched my life. And he yes. changed me forever. You think for a moment... I'm going to turn that over to an enemy. You think for a moment I'm going to give up a fight for a generation that is struggling with identity. You've lost your religious mind. Because the church is the only hope. The church is the only hope for a desperate society that needs to meet a Savior that can take away their pain, that can take away their hurt, that can take away their confusion. Only the church can do that. Only a God that we serve. You say, well, how do I know that God is real? Can I, is this all right? I know we got to go. Just keep standing. We're going to go. Just keep standing. You say, how, how, how can I know that God is real? I go, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says we can't see the wind, but we can see the effects of it. I said, look out this gym door right here. Look out this gym door. And you see those trees right there? They're blowing. I said, you don't see the wind. You just see the effects of the wind blowing. I said, I can't see God, 
but I can sure see the effect that he has on people's lives. He said, you really believe he's real? I said, with every ounce of energy I got. And I said, he'll do for you what he's done for me. A church has to come alive. A people has to rise. If God's put it in your heart to be a businessman, businesswoman, make all the money you can for his glory, not for yours. If God's called you to be a teacher, a doctor, or a nurse, work with people, work with students, love on people for his glory, not for your accolades. When you do it like that, you'll flip a world upside down. I'm tired of Midian. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Midian coming in year after year and taking out what God has promised us. Come on, just lift your hands all over the building. We got to go. I just, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the presence of God.